the prison pipeline, the nuances, uh, resolutions, uh, things that we can do to change and improve uh, the situation for those people who are already incarcerated and to stop recidivism and to stop, uh, you know, reduce the numbers of people that are going to prison. We got we to gotta do something, folks. And this is how we start. And that's through public education. Uh, so we'll be right back in just a few minutes uh, right here on the Sunday Forum. It is now 9 o'clock a.m. on this beautiful Sunday morning right here on the Sunday Forum on WMNF 88.5 Tampa, Sarasota, St. Pete. And we'll be right back in just a few minutes. Your news, your views, your values. This is WMNF Tampa 88.5. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Giles Snyder. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky says Russian attacks on his country's energy infrastructure will not break Ukraine's determination to resist. His comments and his nightly address to the nation came after a wave of Russian airstrikes this weekend, leaving around one and a half million households without power. Here's Zelensky heard through a BBC interpreter. Russian propagandists are lying when they say that this terror against our infrastructure and people can somehow slow down the active actions of our military or cause any difficulty for our defense. Ukrainians are united, and they know for sure that Russia has no chance to win this war. Zelensky said work is ongoing to restore electricity supplies as soon as possible. Another Russian warplane has crashed. Officials in the Siberian city of Irkutsk says both pilots were killed, but there were no other casualties when the Su-30 fighter jet crashed into a two-story building housing two families. Last week, a fighter plane crashed into an apartment block, killing at least 15 people. China's Xi Jinping has clinched a third term as head of the ruling Communist Party. As the twice-a-decade party congress wrapped up in Beijing this weekend, Xi's dominance over the party and the nation became clear. Here's NPR's John Ruich reporting. Xi Jinping managed to pull off something that no Chinese leader in recent decades has done. He stacked the leadership entirely with allies. The six other members of the Politburo Standing Committee, China's most powerful decision-making body, have all worked closely with Xi and are seen as loyalists. Perhaps the most stunning of the new additions is the installment of Shanghai Party boss Li Chiang in the number two spot. Lee presided over the poorly planned two-month lockdown of Shanghai in the spring, and many thought his career was doomed. Now, he appears in line to become premier and preside over the world's second biggest economy. John Ruich, NPR News, Beijing. Turnout for early voting in Georgia is on pace with the 2020 presidential election. More than half a million people so far in the battleground state. From member station WABE, Alex Helmick reports. There are two big races here. One is a rematch for governor between incumbent Republican Brian Kemp and Democrat Stacey Abrams, who lost in 2018 by 55,000 votes. The other is for U.S. Senate, where Democratic incumbent Raphael Warnock is battling Republican Herschel Walker. Polling for both show very tight races. Millions of dollars have poured into the campaign, so too have visits from celebrities and political heavyweights, especially Democrats who've drawn visits from Oprah Winfrey and Lin-Manuel Miranda. Former President Barack Obama is also set to stump in Atlanta in the coming days. For NPR News, I'm Alex Helmick in Atlanta. And this is NPR News. A new study says droughts in the U.S. are developing more quickly than they used to. And from member station KUNC, Alex Hager reports droughts in the past decade intensified faster than normal. In the past, researchers thought drought took multiple seasons or even years to fully develop. But a recent study from scientists at the University of Colorado shows they're getting more intense more quickly. Researchers say changes in temperature and precipitation were already drying out soil, but when ocean patterns like El Nino lead to weather changes, those droughts get drier faster. The study also says warm droughts are more likely to get intense in a hurry, and climate change means we're likely to see more of those quick-onset droughts, the kind that can catch farmers and water managers off guard. 
For NPR News, I'm Alex Hager in Fort Collins, Colorado. In Major League Baseball, the Philadelphia Phillies could clinch the National League pennant today. The Phillies have a three games to one lead after rallying to top the San Diego Padres last night, 10 to 6. Reese Hoskins homered twice. Kyle Schwarber also connected. And so did Phillies catcher JT Realmuto. Nobody feels like they have to do too much. Um, we're all literally just up there trying to pass the baton to the next guy, do what we can to get on base. Um, but we have so many guys in this lineup that can do damage and, and um, come up in big spots. So it's definitely a lot of fun when everybody's clicking. Game five of the National League Series this afternoon in Philadelphia in the American League. The Houston Astros will also try to close out their series today. The Astros have won the first three games of the series against the New York Yankees. I'm Giles Snyder. This is NPR News. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Melville Charitable Trust, committed to ensuring all people have a safe, stable, and affordable home that allows them to thrive. Information about ways to prevent and solve homelessness is at melvilletrust.org. Leave a lasting wake of good when you put that boat or other watercraft you no longer need behind you. WMNF accepts all types of vehicles from cars, trucks, RVs, boats, and more. Learn more at WMNFcar.org. WMNF is accepting volunteer applications to be part of our on-air team. And welcome. This is Latinx. Welcome, welcome to the Soul Kitchen. It is I, your resident chef, Big Eddie G. Join your favorite voices on 88.5 FM, WMNF.org, and our HD channels. If you've always dreamed of being on the radio, I'd love to be on the radio. Now's your chance. Join your listening supported radio station, WMNF. Apply under the programming tab at WMNF.org. On Thursday, October 27th, WMNF celebrates Halloween with two great bands. WMNF's Halloween Ball 2022 features the music of Tampa's Lane Liar and making his Bay Area appearance from Louisville, Kentucky, Scary Black. Plus, Azzy Bats and Vamp Daddy of Obscure Undead will be DJing this great night of gothic music. WMNF Halloween Bowl again takes place Thursday, October 27th, 9 p.m. at New World Music Hall, 810 East Skagway Avenue in Tampa. Tickets are $18 in advance, $20 at the door. Go to WMNF.org for more info. Pirates and Angels Variety is back with our third season of opera, classical, Broadway, and cabaret. And this time, belly dancing and poetry. Hear youth opera winner Kaya Owens and cabaret legend Paula Broadwater with your host, Chris Romeo. Enjoy the classical chamber trio, Sunshine City Trio, and the vocal quartet, Classica. Pirates and Angels Variety is at Opera Central in St. Pete. And this time, we're including a song called Swimsuit Inspections from Sunshine City the Musical. Original music and theater, written and performed by local artists. October 28th and 29th. More at piratesandangels.com. Hey, this is D-Rod the Poet from Poetry Is. Sundays at 8 p.m. on WMNF. Check out our community's next Poet of the Month. I'm in my therapist's office. There's a sign above my head that reads, you are exactly where you need to be. I cannot see that sign from where I sit. I'm complaining about how my friends have better lives than me. My therapist tells me compare equals despair. She then tells me to think about who I am now. Think about who I am compared to who I was years ago. Compare how much more I have accomplished. I look at her with a flat face that reads, what did we just say about comparing? That was Zach Katz, your October Poet of the Month. Hear the whole poem, learn more about the artist and how WMNF supports its local art community at WMNF.org.
You're listening to WMNF Tampa, music and news. and their descendants across the globe. It seems as though everywhere Africans or Afro-descended people are, no matter their geographical location, they've experienced some form of oppression, discrimination, or prejudice. This has been going on for quite some time. Some scholars have attempted to figure out why this is the case, and some have come up with some interesting explanations. From my studies, it seems as though Africans and their descendants across the globe, historically, have been viewed as some sort of threat. And so today, I wanted to talk about some of the potential reasons as to why this may be the case. Home team here, and welcome back to another video of African history, culture, and worldview. By supporting this channel on Patreon, you're helping in the creation of these videos and supporting this content. If you'd like access to full courses and sources, or you simply want to show your support, you may do so by clicking the Patreon link in the description box below. To begin, this video should be taken lightly because this will just be my personal opinion on the topic based on my own analysis of world history. Ultimately, there is no conclusive answer to this question, as we can't get into the minds of non-Africans. All I can do is highlight some patterns and draw some conjectural conclusions. Also, this video is not intended to be some sort of plea for empathy or acceptance from outside of the African diaspora. It's simply intended to be considered as a working model, showing how history evolved into what it is today, as it concerns our current social, political, and economic condition as Afro-descended people. I really appreciated the perspectives you all gave in my last video, and so I'm hoping that we can do the same. So let's begin. Despite questions concerning the reliability of Greek scholars and historians like Diodorus Siculus and Herodotus, their work highlights a very important narrative that did exist in ancient times. Whether their words about Africa were true or not, they expose what the common discourse was in ancient times amongst elites, an ancient commentary that influenced later periods. Some of the ancient narratives suggest the belief or at least the consideration that Africans were the first people and also that they were among the first civilized. Now the Ethiopians, as historians relate, were the first of all men and the proofs of this statement they say are manifest for that they did not come into their land as immigrants from abroad but were natives of it and so justly bear the name of Autochthons is, they maintain, conceded by practically all men. Furthermore, that those who dwell beneath the noonday sun were, in all likelihood, the first to be generated by the earth, is clear to all, since inasmuch as it was the warmth of the sun which at the generation of the universe dried up the earth when it was still wet and impregnated it with life. It is reasonable to suppose that the region which was nearest the sun was the first to bring forth living creatures. I find it fascinating that a Greek scholar came to a similar conclusion as we did concerning the origin of humans, placing them on the African continent. Echoes of this narrative survived into more modern times. One of the most popular Orientalists known today as the general title Middle Eastern Studies was a man named Constantine de Volney of the 18th century. Here's what he has to say. We have the strongest reasons to believe that the country neighboring to the tropic Sudan and southern Egypt was the cradle of the sciences and of consequence that the first learned nation was a nation of blacks, for it is incontrovertible that by the term Ethiopians, the ancients meant to represent a people of black complexion, thick lips, and woolly hair. This I've been getting paid a thousand dollars a month. Okay, all right.
All right, so here we go. This is this is Walter Elspeth the second, the voice of the Tampa Bay area and the host of the Sunday Forum. And here we are back again at fifteen minutes, fifteen minutes after the hour. Um, and let me tell you, folks, we have just had a tremendous first hour here on the Sunday Forum. What you were just listening to is a segment of something that that Mobilia and I were, were discussing that really really brings home a lot of great information for those people who are trying to understand um, why some of these things are happening to to us in our communities. Um, you know, you know why Africans were historically viewed as a threat. It will help to understand um, why historically these things happen to us. Uh, and, and as we look at these issues of the school-to-prison pipeline or why it's important to medicate us, why it's important to to keep these history or historical points away from our new, our new generation or next generation of black children uh, and brown children even. Why is this information being suppressed and oppressed? Why is that? And, 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 and part of the reason that I believe this is happening is because we continue to run into the same issue of of, edu- of of the lack of education, and both behind prison walls and uh, in our school systems. Right? Um, we need to understand that and have a real good knowledge of self, have a, 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 a tremendous knowledge of ourselves, our communities, and understand. Why these things happen? Where do they come from? What are the origins? There has to be a beginning to understanding these things as opposed to just talking about it. There has to be a beginning, and where do you start? And I think it really starts with understanding and having a great knowledge of self when it comes to these types of things. So, listen, uh, we have um, a couple things that that need to be pointed out, and one of them is uh, we have uh, a guest who has had, and, and our, our prayers go out to him and to his family, uh, Freddie Barton, who was supposed to be one of our uh, guests this morning, is, we've just gotten word that he's been in a terrible motorcycle accident. Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah, he's been in a terrible motorcycle accident, and he's not able to be with us, obviously, this morning because of it. Uh, wow. Um and Freddie, for those of you who don't know, is director of Hillsborough Safe and Sound. And that is a very critical organization here in Hillsborough County with regard to uh, uh, programs that help to stop or address the issue of recidivism um, or even addressing the issue of intervention to stop the beginning of of uh, of any of this 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 what crisis that we're seeing with regard to our children and them going to um, this pathway to incarceration we we, we got to stop it we got to stop it so uh, kudos to Freddie and the work that he's been doing his staff and anybody who's been working with him so Freddie God bless you man and and we're 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 praying for you brother. We're praying for you. Um, pull on through. Pull on through. Okay. Um, yeah, we do have a lot of callers. We have a lot of callers we here. We have our guests. And we have, too. we have another guest, Vanessa, that is on hold for us. Um, let's see if we can catch her on, on the line. Is Vanessa on the line? Yeah. Vanessa, you're on the Sunday Forum. Hi, Walter. Hey, Vanessa. How are you this morning? I'm good. How are you? I'm well. Listen, I... You know, I, I pointed out this morning that you were <laughs> you were on hold last week. We it got so hot last week in terms of what we were talking about. I am so sorry that we didn't no, get you on air. Hey, listen, but I told I told you we were gonna find a way to get you on air, right? So we yes. we got you on air. Thank you so much uh for coming in. Can you please take a moment? Let's take a moment, if you will please, and tell people about who you are and what you're working with. Sure. So my name is Vanessa. I'm the founder of FPREP, um, which is an organization, advocacy organization that stands for 
Florida Prison Reform Allied Partners. Um, and next Saturday, we're having um, what I think I am so proud of this event. It is um, uh, the Tampa Bay Criminal Justice Summit. We're having it at the Tampa Preparatory School um, in downtown Tampa. And it will be from, um, well, we're starting kicking it off with Senator Brandis, who you all had on the show last week. Um, so breakfast for Brandis. Uh, and then we have panels throughout the day covering all the things that you have mentioned, sentencing reform, conditions inside. Um, our lunch event is the school to prison pipeline. Um, then we have how to advocate for justice reform, voting rights, and uh, also um, the appeal process, like what, what can you do after? Um, and if you go to horizons.org, um, you will find more information about that. Um, the all day pass, which covers everything is $60. Um, we do have oh, uh, if, if the, the, any prices. Let's, let's let's hold off any prices, but let's look at all at all the the places where people can go and find out about prices. Yeah. So if you go to horizons.org, dot org, horizons communities dot org, you'll list all the prices. And we have different prices for the panels, um, and then the all day access, and we also have discounts for those that are in college. Okay. So horizon with an H. Um, community, communities.org. Yes. Okay. All right. You can find out more information about this uh, summit that's taking place on October 29th um, by FPROP. Uh, Vanessa, tell us what tell us what are some of the challenges that you're facing and some of the things you're going to be discussing on the 29th. So, you know, FPROP, I always say, is, you know, the standard on five pillars. So you have to look at, like, if you, like you all were discussing earlier, you know, the school to prison pipeline, the kids, how, you know, what can we do for the kids to prevent them to even going into the prison system? Um, and then we talk about um, the voting rights. You know, obviously, again, that's something y'all mentioned earlier as far as, you know, those that were arrested, um, you know, thinking that they had the right to vote. Um, they were approved by the supervisor of election. They got their voting card. They thought they were good to go. And now, um, now they're being arrested. And so how that looks. Um, we're also going to talk again about the school to prison pipeline, that's our luncheon, um, the conditions inside, you know, the lack of AC, the lack of heating, the lack of programs, um, the lack of proper medical treatment. And we have a large percentage of the incarcerated in Florida are elderly. Um, so we know that as we get older, you know, you require more medical treatment. Um, and there's people that are suffering um, with cancer, lupus, and all these different ailments, and, but they're not getting the proper medical treatment. Um, we're going to talk about um, the appeals process. You know, a lot of, I would say like 90% of people take plea deals, even if they're not guilty, just because the terror of, you know, take five-year plea deal versus going to trial and having to face 10 years. So. Um, we were lucky enough to also have on our panel um, the Florida Commissioner um, on Offender Review, which is the or the department that currently handles parole. Um, in Florida, parole stopped um, back in the 90s, um, and there's something that a lot of advocates and a lot of people are wanting to get um, brought back in Florida. And um, we're also going to talk about reentry, you know, um, a lot of people say that you get uh, $50 on a bus pass and you're told, you know, go on. A lot of these people have been incarcerated for 10, 15 years. Technology itself, um, I remember back in the day when I had a Star, you know, Star Trek mobile rotor phone um, to now having an Android and, and, and being able to do video calls and, and doing all this, all this stuff on my phone. And a lot of people, a lot of uh, incarcerated that come home, uh, don't know how to handle that technology. Um, and then we're also going to talk about the families um, and what the impact is. You know, as a family, my husband was previously incarcerated, and that's how I started advocating for criminal justice reform. And the heartaches and the things that I had to face, um, whether it's the high cost, you know, to calling, um, that there's a cost for that. There's to the email, there's a cost to that. And recently, unfortunately, um, the Florida Department of Corrections decided to go away with paper mail, so everything is done electronically. Um, so they don't get, you know, for parents that have 
um, they're incarcerated, you know, those letters that you get from your, your child and little hearts and, and stuff like that, that's no longer, it has to be scanned in to a facility in Tampa and then distributed electronically to the uh, prisons throughout the state. Um, so we're going to talk about that as well. So it's just, there's a lot um, to talk about when it comes to justice reform, but this event allows for, I mean, you're going to have state attorney's office. You're going to have public defenders. Um, we have criminal, criminal attorneys. We have returning citizens. We have advocates from across um, the state. Um, we have families of incarcerated. Um, so it's, we have judges. Um, so we definitely have every, kind of everybody um, from all the different aspects, and we're bringing them to the table. We're bringing them to have an honest conversation. Um, we're not going to solve it all in one day, um, of course, but it's, it's just starting the conversation, and it's starting the conversation with somebody that you may not necessarily agree with their opinion, but in order to solve uh, criminal justice reform, in order to get that vision that Senator Brandis always talks about, we need to come together and meet on middle ground. And I think that's part of what has been missing is everybody's like, oh, I want it this way or I want it that way, et cetera, et cetera. But if everybody's working independently and not working together and not willing to meet each other in the middle of the table, then nothing is going to get resolved. Um, so that's what we're hoping that this is the start of um, this event and uh, to try to you know, bring people together, to have people meet. You know, you, you deal in, in a certain um, environment, in a certain realm of criminal justice reform, and not everybody knows everybody. Um, I'm excited because I know that there's several people that I've, I've seen. I've, I've seen the work. I've heard about them. Um, but I'm actually going to get to meet them in person. Um, and with Senator Brandis, um, him and I have talked on the phone. We've done several town halls, but I haven't actually met him in person. Uh, so it, it's going to be a very uh, good event. Um, hopefully we can have more um, and have, you know, maybe this be uh, an annual thing. But it, it's, the, it's the start of the conversation. It's definitely um, something that um, I think is, is near and dear. It shouldn't be important to average Floridian. You know, a large majority of people that are currently incarcerated are going to come home at some point. And I always tell people, do you want that person that you're standing to, standing next to in a 7-Eleven who just recently come home to have a hatred for society, for the way that they were treated, for the mistreatment, for the abuse, for the lack of medical care, to come out and be so angry at society that they want to commit crimes again? Or do you want somebody that, you know, they made a mistake or possibly, you know, just took a plea deal because there was no other option? And do you want them to be educated, to be lifted up, from where they came from and come out to society and want to be a valuable part of society and want to contribute and want to help. Um, you know, I would think that that would be the, you know, the idea of what we want. And unfortunately right now um, we have a bunch of people that are just sitting in bunks, um, you know, not doing anything, you know, my, my husband, um, you know, and four others different type of uh, cells. Um, there's the open bay dorms, which, you know, if you can imagine like a room and a bunch of bunk beds or a bunch of beds just, you know, around and um, you lay on your bed, the small bed, thin mattress, and you put your arms out. You put your arms out, you can literally touch like the next person next to you. Oh, no. um, and then, of course, we have, you know, the two man cells. Um, and sometimes, unfortunately, due to the curtain, you know, um, lack of staff that the corrections officers are facing um, and the lack of the, you know, department being able to retain correctional officers. Um, they've had to, like, double up in a two-man. Usually only has two people, but sometimes nowadays they've been having um, three to four just because they need to house them where they have guards. Um, and that's one of the reasons that the National Guard was recently called in. And I don't think the National Guard is using their time wisely by just because the idea is that they're going to be there to like man the doors and be in the control room for, you know, so that the guards, the correction officers can be with the incarcerated. And, uh, you know, also basically we have 300 national guards pushing buttons and opening doors and closing doors, 
Um, there's no real oversight. There's no. There's nothing then where uh, there's no reform. There's no engagement. There's no uh, valued engagement of any sort with the with these prisoners, with the with the uh, with the incarcerated folks. Right. That is that is. Wow. Yeah, I mean, there are like a few little programs. I mean, one of the partners for the event is the Horizons program. Um, you know, they're in a few prisons, um, and they have a whole uh, concept of you know helping those incarcerated. He always Nate is the uh, president of that organization, and he he has it. So he goes into the war storm and tries to help um, you know those that are um, incarcerated learn new skills and, and skill sets. Um, but it needs to be something that is happened not just at, you know, a couple of prisons. It needs to happen overall. And, you know, and, um, you know, these buildings are old. I mean, these buildings are, like, from the 1960s. And, you know, they're decapitated. And, and, you know, I remember when I used to go to visit, to visit my husband, I would look up and there's mold. And then, you know, there's insects and, oh. and cockroaches and... Um, you know, some of the guys even had lizards as their pets because there were so many of them. Oh, um, no. so. that's crazy. That's 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 crazy. Well, yeah. I tell you what, uh, folks, this is uh, Vanessa with the Florida Prison Reform Allied Partners, uh, FPROC, uh, here this morning here with us on the Sunday Forum. Uh, we're going to take some phone calls. Okay. Right now. <clears throat> and uh, do we have any, we have any emails? I understand there's an email. Oh yeah, there's. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay. Yeah. Hi, Walter. Uh, great topic today. I feel that it's good to give parents uh, options, and I know of several parents who have had success with Step Up for Children, private school tuition scholarships. I just think that some kids do better in more strict discipline environments. Like your guest mentioned, even time out uh, isn't being used much anymore in public schools. But Catholic schools can met out the discipline and keep the kids in line. The nuns won't put up. Okay, I won't say that word with your crap. <laughs> just <sorry. laughs> um, They'll wrap <laughs> yeah, on knuckles and continue the lesson. Anyway, I'd like to know what your listeners feel about Step Up for Children, or I'm sorry, Step Up for Students. Many black and brown parents have taken advantage of the program and are now proponents of it. Who's that from? Uh, oh, it's from uh, David, Mr. White Pepper Bryant. <laughs> <laughs> from the Soul Kitchen. <laughs> yeah, from Soul Kitchen. <laughs> White Pepper Bryant. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thank you, David. We appreciate it. Um, let, let me, uh, um, t let me, well, we're going to go on to. You want me to uh, take, take calls? To the calls just All a right. second. Um, now or, we, oh, okay. No, 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 it's, it's okay. It's all right. So we do have some uh, reports that were supposed to be given earlier. And I want to make sure that we're that we're getting all this stuff in as much as we possibly can here. Uh, so we're gonna we have time for one, um, and we're gonna take it from uh, our friend that is here with us today. You want to come on the microphone and tell us tell us who you are. Hi, my name is Doster Sorland. I am currently coming uh, for, uh, from Venezuela, and I am happy to be here in eighty eight point five FM in Tampa and at the uh, Walter Smith second uh, program the the forum How the, was su the Sunday forum the, the Sunday, Sunday forum, forum. yeah <laughs> happy to be here with you guys thank so you tell us what what is it that, that you want to that you want to share with us this morning well uh, one of the things that uh, I would like to talk about uh, is that uh, Venezuelan the Venezuelan government is accused uh, openly uh, on mass media and the on the corporate media of being a dictatorship uh, the, the the constitutional president the elected president nicolas maduro is the name as a dictator and this really rings some bells to me because uh, uh i'm here in the united states right now uh, which uh, by design 
established a system which uh, was uh, set up in a way that uh, the privileged people, the white landowners, were the one who had the right to uh, participate in such and such called a democratic process. And it has been the struggle of women, people of color, Latino, African-American, people who have at least uh, achieved some changes in the system that have uh, allowing them to at least participate in this unjust, still unjust system and be able to elect what the system allows them to choose from the electoral process, which is not even a national electoral process, but something where each state pretty much decides and establishes uh, their own system, electoral system. Some of them are manual, some of them are electronic, but there is not oversight really of the system overall. And there are a lot of uh, security, security lacking measures. There is uh, the hampering of uh, some minority participation and uh, there are a lot of uh, uh, money, corporate money, deciding really behind doors for people. And this is kind of uh, the country that is kind of <laughs> calling the, is kind of, which is calling, I'm sorry, uh, the Venezuelan democracy a dictatorship. When in Venezuela we have a system of participatory democracy, it's not just people participating in elections which are not based on money, where we have people, even people in jail, people sentenced, uh, uh, being able to participate in the electoral process, people from all uh, origins, people from all uh, skin colors able to participate in the process openly in elections which are not only uh, to elect uh, candidates but to uh, uh, choose issues which are uh, discussed directly by people and put forward for people to uh, be part of the electoral program of the candidates. So, so we have a different level of democracy, a deeper level of, of democracy, and that's why the system over here, afraid of Venezuelan system becoming a model for other countries and for the world, then they are trying to uh, badmouth it and try to put it as if it were a dictatorship. And on the other side, they are naming another guy as president without he being elected or even going through a regular electoral process. So it's crazy. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that information because as we, as we talk about this issue of, of uh, the prison system, right, um, the issue of the elections process is going to be very, very important going forward. Extremely important because because of the fact that people are now being arrested for trying to participate in the system as returning citizens, right? And so people are finding these loopholes now in order to cut, in order to try to suppress the vote as best they can by way by by this way of um, of, of of looking at their prison record right, right. but that's does does something that the uh, white elite uh, dominating this country is doing because they are afraid that as demographics change in this country and more latino and black people uh, participate in the electoral process that 
the, the these so-called minorities are going to become really majorities in the country and they may tilt the balance of power and and force through elections the creation and more of, of a more equalitarian society and they are really afraid of that so they are implementing they are preemptive uh, they are taking preventive measure preemptive measure to try to avoid that this is definitely if, if you didn't if you don't think that what was just said is relevant trust me when i tell you it is very relevant extremely relevant Because we are actually on the verge of that right now. And, and the type of suppression and oppression that's coming from Tallahassee uh, and, and is, is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. He's also, there, there's a lot of uh, there's a contradictions being made, too, in Tallahassee. Because this governor represents a party that is constantly called Venezuela uh, a dictatorship. But yet, when right. people come here for uh, economic reasons... Uh, he's still showing that they're not welcome. So he's right. transporting right. them to New York, Martha's Vineyard, a, a Baltimore, a Delaware, just to get in, just to own the libs, I guess. But it's full of contradictions. Absolutely. Completely, completely. Ms. Rodriguez? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, that's okay. One of the guests earlier said um, that a lot of times when people are released from prison, they do have nowhere to go and they have to stay at hotels or, and stuff like that with, I believe someone said last time, $60 in their pocket. And I just wanted to hear um, about the housing situation that has recently happened in Venezuela and how that helps um, Oh, people. yeah. Um, we, we have a program in Venezuela. It's called... Uh, It's something that, that could translate as uh, housing b big mission, and uh, what it does, it provides it provides uh, free housing. I mean, uh, uh, not uh, they don't put you in some house for free. They build house free housing for people. And we have, uh, so far in the last six years, we have built 4,100,000 houses for uh, housing, I mean like uh, individual houses and apartments for uh, Venezuelan families uh, for free. They don't have to pay anything. They uh, don't have to pay taxes on them. It's just they have uh, they got those houses for the rest of their lives so it's it really helps them in their uh, social and economic situation but uh, furthermore it helps it is directed towards uh, the the poorest people of the of the country so it's a way of uplifting and improving and making a society more just and equal so okay all right okay um this this is <laughs> this is important folks this is very very important i hope that you're listening here this morning on the sunday forum it's now 43 minutes 43 minutes after the hour of 9 a.m this beautiful sunday morning um let me let me go back to um um the phone lines vanessa are you still with us Yes, I'm still with you. I just wanted to add one more thing mm -hmm. is part of the problem of, you know, the whole thing about the voters and returning citizens is that they have to pay their dues, their fines and whatnot that they may owe um, once they come home. But the thing is, is that we have 67 counties in Florida. There is not a one system that you can just, you know, I can type in Vanessa. Okay, Vanessa owes $50 in here. In Tampa and Hillsborough County, she owes 50. Okay, so your total is $500. Okay, pay the $500, and then you're on to go. There's no system in Florida. You literally would have to, like, go through each county that, you know, you had an issue with to try to even figure it out. So most, the other biggest problem is that most incarcerated, when they come home, they don't even know how much they owe or to figure out how much they owe. Um, so... You know, you're getting penalized for something that you don't necessarily know, you know, because things add up. People don't understand the, you know, the justice system. They don't know how to calculate, you know, you have to pay for victims, you know, programming or for the public defenders or the state attorneys. And those, you know, they add up, you know, with interest while you're incarcerated. 
And so um, that is the other major problem with this whole um, penalizing those to vote is they don't even know how much they owe. So, Jesus, um, man. That's, that's dirty. That is that is so that's that's so corrupt. That's that's not even that that is not even okay. There's nothing okay about that. And and as much as we as much as we criticize other countries um on the on the world stage, I think, you know, we need to be laid bare. We need to be laid bare on these issues, man. And 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 the way that we function just in this state alone, just in this state alone. It functions like like a dictatorial uh, country that that like that doesn't even know anything about democracy. That the U.S. wants to paint everyone else. Oh, as. yeah, yeah, as, as as corrupt and and bad. That's that's this is sick. This is really sick. Let's let's go to the phone lines. Let's go to the phone lines. Okay, um, caller, you're on the Sunday Forum. Yeah. Okay. How you doing? All right. How you doing? You know, you guys talking about the, the, the school to prison pipeline. I think that we've been missing a very important. It's not about school to prison pipeline anymore. It's medical school to prison pipeline. It's dental school to prison pipeline. It's pharmacy school to prison. This is a targeting of health care providers based on this fictitious and the war expansion of the, this concept of the opioid crisis, so-called opioid crisis of the war on drugs. We had a guy. And in just a case that we came across today, who's doing 12 years in prison, he's a physician. And the, the, in his trial, what they did was the, the judge, who was a, uh, a federal uh, uh, judge named Mark Pittman in Fort Worth, Texas, decided he had uh, his mother-in-law was in town. So he was going to give the defense 10 hours and the uh, prosecution 15 hours and use a stopwatch. You had two guys using a stopwatch. Hold this up, man. Stop watching justice and stuff. So you see this injustice is is being permeated on those who are now educated, those who have ambition, those who have drive. And it's more than just about, you know, just designing people to go. Even those who have gone to school, gone to college, and done everything right are being targeted for this, uh, this atrocious uh, system. And now you have almost 1,700 black doctors and physicians, I mean, assistant dentists in federal prison today. We have almost 4,000 doctors, white, Indian, especially Indian doctors, being targeted because of this expansion of this so-called war on drugs and pharmacists and everything else. So I think people need to to, to, to understand there was a gentleman that, whose father that, that was, was on, I think he was online, he was telling me, I told him about this whole thing here. So I just wanted to put that in you, put, put that in you, that the, 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 this thing goes, you can go to all the school you want and still end up uh, being Locked up. defined as a criminal. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Ooh, and hey, read man, that article, you. You're Within the Norms, the uh, the uh, 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 Stop Watch Justice. It's horrifying. And this is under appeal, and this is all a part of the trans record. I think I sent you a copy of two, I sent you a copy of it. Uh, and the transcripts are in there, right out of the transcript. Okay, thank you. All right, all right. He's, I mean, they're trying to find. It's like they're trying to find any way at all to put people behind bars, whether it's from the school to prison pipeline or um, this, this, uh, you know, whether it's it's medically, like like was just brought up. That is. Just any way at all. Just any way at all. Just lock you up. That seems like a hunt. I mean, am I? Am I? Am I does it seem like a, a like a, a witch yeah. hunt to everybody here? I mean, like, mm-hmm. wait, wait, Miss Yeah, and I think this goes back to what um, Dosler was saying earlier today. How it's comes from this system of slavery and like overall oppression that has happened. Because when we look at the original war on drugs, it was to keep like um, black folks down and it was a means to make profit like every almost every system here in the US like it can be commodified it can be profitized and that's why we're seeing a shift from public schools going to private that's why we see a shift of prisons going to private that's why we see this giant never ending war machine that's happened for all of my life granted that's 20 some years 
the U.S. has been in a war, multiple wars. They've been all over the all over the world, putting sanctions on different countries like Venezuela, and on it, in my opinion, sanctions kill. Sanctions are harmful. Sanctions um, don't hurt the government that the U.S. is trying to like slap on the wrist. It's hurting the people that live there. Right. And Dalsor was talking to me about how Venezuela had to move their industries to more encompassing industries because of what the U.S. had tried to do to make more profit to keep Venezuelans down and whatnot. You know, this this is this is sick. This is this is really sick. And and, and I, if, if we don't see that we are in a, a very sick culture, a very sick situation from this information alone, then something's wrong. Something's seriously, seriously wrong. Let's let's take the uh, next call. Call, are you on the Sunday forum? Hello? Hello? Okay, we'll go to the next call. Okay. Caller, you're on the Sunday forum. Uh, good morning. Peace and blessings. Good morning, Queen Mother. How you doing? Good morning. I'm doing wonderful. And I want to just say how I so appreciate your guest and the brother from Venezuela. I'm having to listen very strongly, but he's hitting right out the park. Mm -hmm. We're in a very barbaric society here in the United States mm. that is ripping humanity mm. away from mm. its citizens to the point that people are stuck. Uh, listening to commercials, talking about how they need to get tougher on crime when we have a prison system that has just for the black community taking the best and brightest out of our community, stuffed them inside of these walls of hell and hate, uh, only to come back to our community damaged. Because while they have been gone, we have not been able to move forward. Right. And the only way that we're going to be able to break ourselves out of this, we have to see it for what it is. We can't have no talk best uh War on drugs was a declared war on brown and black people. And if we don't come to, like, a physical uh, war, we have to say, what can we extract and take away from this government? The fact that we, as black people, we spend immensely into to this economy and get nothing in return. Right. Maybe right. we need to have a paradigm shift strong thinking that we spend less. Mm. Politically, we are being stripped of our power, limited power that we had. But uh, uh, we still have to use it, going to the poll and vote in our interest. But our financial means, we need to spend only for that what we need and find a way to save as much as we can so we can find a new way out of this situation. Thank you so much, brother. All right, all right. Thank you very much. Is this Miss Connie? Yeah, that was. Uh -huh. Miss Connie, you still there? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. All right. Hi, Miss Connie. I'm Laura. I'm from the Tampa Bay Community Action Committee. It's always good to hear you. That was it. You well. I enjoy you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Thank you, Sister Connie. We really appreciate you. Yes, have a good and, day, Connie. And the work you're doing. You, you keep on doing what you're doing, and we're going to keep on what we're doing here. Let's, 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 uh, let's, let's do what we can to eliminate this, because this is bad. This is really bad. And it has been for a long time. Um, so, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Um, let's see. I think we have, we have another call. We do. Uh, we got All three right. more. Caller, so you're on the Sunday Forum. Hello. Good morning. Good, good morning. morning. Uh, yes. I, I wanted to talk about um, um, uh, the federal conviction um, being restored voting rights. Okay. And that amendment, well, that particular year, I, I read in detail all the amendments. That particular amendment even stated that um, all the financial responsibilities had to be paid before they could retain their voting rights. And I don't understand why there's so much conflict. And uh, 
people like they're being arrested and they don't know why. Um, if you would have read in detail, all the financial responsibilities were to be uh, reinstated, uh, 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 taken care of, paid. Yeah, but I think arrest is a, is a step too far. That was so unnecessary. Plus, that was not part of the referendum. The referendum wasn't. Yes, it was. I think the governor no. added that. No. The governor added that on his own recognizance. The, the after governor the added that. The governor added that. That but, was but not a part of the agreement. Is so no, unnecessary, and it's one has been thrown out. Still doesn't matter. And, and arrest you, you was so unnecessary. Prison. When you get out of jail, it's stated detail by detail by detail the financial responsibilities that you need to take care of okay Matt, let, let me ask you a question do you think that it's, that it's that it's okay to put these people in prison or jail because of that I didn't hear that do you think that it's okay to put these people in jail or prison because of that? Uh, to put them in jail, I, I, I think they're a, they are responsible for reading in detail the responsibility mm -hmm. to read uh, uh, their voting rights. No, no, no. Why would they send no, no, the no, voting no. card? Why yeah, would that's, they that's, that's that? not exactly, but that, that's that's not what right. Those but are listed when you are, you know, put back into society. What when you're put back in society, you need to take care of. Okay, but when you're put back into society, they're sending these people voting cards. Mm -hmm. Do you understand? They're sending them voting cards. It is it is a responsibility also well, well, I, of the. I can uh, see uh, where that would be confusing at that point. It's, it's confusing, mm -hmm. but it's not just confusing. It's unfair that that they would have to be that they would have to be um, rearrested. Mm -hmm. Is they're, a racist they're, they're, policy. They're, they're, they're arresting these people and they know that this is the case. Just the mere fact that there was a vote for this thing. So let's let's just say, okay, fine. Let, let's let's cut the argument. Let, let's go along with your your portion of the argument, which says, okay, the amendment does have that in there. Okay, fine, no problem. Is it okay? It just I mean, do you think that it's okay for them to go and hunt these people down? Literally hunt these people down. And and put handcuffs on them and take them to jail for that, for voting. Do, do you think that that's okay? No, no, I don't think uh, that extreme is okay. Um, but that's what's happening. Educate them. Um, the extreme is the reality, though. At that point. But the what? No, I'm sorry. To educate the person before putting handcuffs and arresting, yeah, to educate them. Uh, do you realize the circumstances? Uh, do you realize the requirements to be qualified to vote? Uh, I think would be more proper. Right, of course. But that's not what's yeah. happening. And that, and that, and, and that intentionally, the, the, the intent is to criminalize these people. You see, and, and you can clearly see the intention. There's no effort to re-educate. There's no effort to to do that at all. In fact, in fact, uh, the fact that that this was brought before the Supreme Court at all is evidence well, of the so fact that there was no this. There was ill intent. People are being um, uh, um, their their charges have been rejected. Under the circumstances, from what I recently heard in the news, yeah, one has been thrown out. Yeah, one. Uh, but 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 the the act is still happening. Do, do you understand, ma'am? Well, you know, the, 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 the real quick to arrest. I mean, exactly. It doesn't matter what race you are. That the police were confused. And, and they have gotten to that point. Well, the, right right now, am I am I correct in saying, yeah? Right now, all the people that have been arrested... Yeah, they were black, black except for one. Except, yeah, except one for one. One was white. Well, I think it was 15 to 5. I think 5 was white. Or, and 15, 13, 13, 13, 13 were black. Some period of education should be put in place and their vote should be rejected somehow. Racist policies need to be rejected. Exactly. Racist yeah. apologies and ideas that people have to pay when they've been in 
prison for so long, like they have that money up front. A pay barrier is racist and against the working class. And, and it really is. And they know this well, is the case, man. Well, it's not racist. It's racist. It is racist. This is racist. This is, this is, no, 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 no. Listen, racist. It doesn't matter what race you are. It shouldn't, but it does. It shouldn't, but it does. And, and, and they, they know that, and I wish we had more time to discuss this, and we will discuss it next week. The, the mere fact that this is happening, they know, they know the numbers. These people know the numbers, and and it, and and, and it, it is racist. They know what's happening. This is because they, it was governor. designed for that. It was designed well, for that it, purpose. It's not racist. It's it's like um, if you, it's it, like a, a an economy type of. Racist. Ma'am, this is classist. Uh, this is classist. Call us next week. <laughs> Let's discuss. Listen, thank you very much for joining us here on the Sunday Forum. Uh, as always, from our voice to the radio waves to the hearts and minds of the people, we love you. And there's absolutely nothing you can do about it here on the Sunday Forum.